It's Saturday, March 27th, and you are listening to Peanuts and Popcorn. PNP is a spontaneous podcast between two old friends on baseball and motion pictures. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on Peanuts and Popcorn, Tom and I make our predictions for the upcoming season. And we look back to when Randy Johnson killed a bird. Major League Baseball hitters will be allowed to use video again this season, while pitchers will be banned from using any foreign substances. Batman is back in baseball with the Orioles, and Gio Gonzalez decides to call it a career. There's lots of talk about the Cubs and the White Sox, and our popcorn discussion is on the Oscar nominee, Minari. Tom, how are you doing? I'm on the chip this morning. Um, You're on the chip, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you one thing. I've been walking a lot. I told you this last week. Yeah. I've been walking a lot. This this week, I've I've actually walked. Um, well, I'm averaging eleven thousand steps a day. Eleven thousand. That's quite a lot of steps. Yeah, yeah that's like five miles. A little more yeah. than five miles. Now I'm no spring chicken, so you know I'm a little bit on the chip because my body's saying, you know, what the hell are you doing? What are you like, Forrest Gump? Well, it's good for you, though, Tom. And, it, yeah. and, and you know, again, I'll, I'll mention that Chicago is just such a great city to walk in. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and that's a good thing to do, man. I just miss, that's why I miss living in the city and walking. Well, you know what you're missing is Loyola. That's, that's right. I'm missing Loyola. Loyola is back in the Sweet 16. They won two games last week, including an amazing win over right. the Illini, who many picked were going to go all the way. They right. completely handled Illinois. They forced everybody in this city the, the NCAA committee forced everybody in the in the whole Midwest to make a choice between these two teams when they faced each other in the round of 32 and uh, Loyola just handled them. And it's the great, I love this. We all love this because it's the classic conflict of technique versus talent and technique overcoming talent that these guys from Illinois are fantastic athletes and they're expected to win, but because Loyola does things right, they do things a certain way. They play defense. They, you know what I mean? It's it. We love that kind of thing in basketball. You know, about seven or eight weeks ago, um, I was reading in the New York Times, watch out for the Loyola Ramblers come um, tournament time. And, the, and they laid out their argument yeah. because yeah. they have two mainstay players from the 2018 run. And then they have this unbelievable young kid named Williamson, who is um, who's joined the team since. And, and the point, and I told my brother, who's a big sports fan, he goes, you're out of your mind. They're, they're not going to have that run again. And I said, watch, just watch. And it actually happened. And the fact is the win over Illini uh, is even more substantial than what they did in 2018, only because like you said, so accurately, Illinois was the, not just making it to the end, the winning team in the tournament outside of Gonzaga on more brackets. So yeah. Uh, oh, this yeah. is huge, um, and uh, I only hope that maybe we get a chance to play Michigan, um, and and it would be sweet revenge. Because really, really, I just want to you know indulge me here for a second because I have been watching all of their games, and that is they because of their defense changed the tempo of the game. Yeah. So you can come into the game like uh, your old UNLV, you know, shooting three points all over the place. And guess what? They contest every single shot. I don't even dunks they contest, which most teams do not do that. These guys actually will put up a fight about every shot you take. And when you only allow 55 points a game, that's the best in the NCAA of all teams. 
you're you're going to cause fits for teams. And basically, what they did to Illinois is they knocked them off their mooring. They started slapping them in the face right at the beginning of the game, and they never stopped. And then when the second half, all those prognosticators are like, oh, Illinois is going to come back and win, and blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. They started slapping them in the face again, right? As the half started, and they I was at the eight-minute mark, and I'm like, it's a 10-point lead. Seven-minute mark, it's a 10-point lead. Six, I literally went down. I'm like, they're maintaining. So no matter what Illinois is trying to do, and by the way, they've got a great player on that team. That that center man, that guy's like the only NBA. Oh, the guy in Illinois, what's yeah. his name? Yeah. Yes, yes. But they they exploited Cockburn, I think. Yeah, Cockburn. But they exploited his his inability to pass the ball. Yes, and, yes, yeah. He was completely good. frozen out of the game, and yeah, he's going to get his points because he's the main scoring guy uh, down below. I think that that um, that. We play today at 150. I'll be there. Uh, and, and me too. I'll be watching, and, and I think they're going to advance. The next game is going to be tough, though. So, anyways, I just wanted to bring up the fact that for the first time in years, I am fielding a fantasy baseball team. In I was my, ask what, well, my Why? brother's got, like, a corporation. He's got, like, three leagues, um, and – um, and they're all different value. I'm running one of the mid, that's uh, a $100 uh, participation league. Um, and so my draft is tomorrow. But the reason why I bring it up is because I got to pick the team name. And the team name is Clown Shoes. Clown Shoes? Okay. That's right. And my icon is a big clown shoe. Uh, but but so I want you to be rooting for Clown Shoes this rooting year. for Clown Shoes, Tom. So, so my, I understand you're going to Texas. Yeah. No, we, um, we I'm a teacher, and we just got off this week. Uh, yesterday, actually, was the last day, so I have a few days off. We're flying to Texas. Are you, gonna stay, all, are you staying with the cruises, the Ted Cruises? Yeah, we're staying with the cruises. You know, it'll be nice and that. No, but uh, we're going to fly to Houston rent a car, drive to Galveston where we have a little condo hotel yeah. thing. And then we drive down to Padre Island where we have another vacation rental. And nice, nice. we're just, we're keeping it together. We just, yeah. I want to eat some seafood. I want, I want to walk around in my sandals. Let me right. tell you, my wife and I are both teachers. We're both vaccinated. And let me yeah. tell you, something, we fucking need this. Okay. Yeah, we'll right. go make some memories. Right. And, and uh, trust me, I get it. Um, stuff for your kids to do. I mean, do you have like that state? I mean, is there like a mammoth cave you can visit or something? There, there are a few things. It, you know, there's some nature stuff. It's pretty isolated. I hadn't realized like like Houston will be, you know, that that'll be a lot of people. But we have when we go down to Padre Island, there's nothing there except for these like hotels and restaurants along this island. You can get to these, you know, swamplands and wetlands and you know, you so so maybe when you get down there, maybe you can get the town together and read the news to them. That's what I'll do. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'll do. I was planning to do that. That's actually, that's actually. All right. So, so any, any baseball are you going to see? Any, do you think? I'll probably see some baseball, you know, but honestly, I'll be planning things, but I'll just be doing it by the pool in the sunshine. You know, I'll wow. you're like, a, you're like a major league baseball GM then. Yeah, right. That's what it's going to look like. But I'll be doing it in sandals. All right, so so let's get right to our predictions, and we'll begin with the American League, and we'll begin with. So the it's peanuts time. Is that what you're saying? It's, it's time to eat some peanuts. Okay. And let's let's go with the American League East, and I 
I'm just going to get right out there and I'm going to make a major pick. Me I'm too. Gonna, the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue that Blue. makes two of us. <laughs> That's great. No, I think it's going to, they're going to be, who knows? You know, why not? I have less of a sense this year of these other teams than I've ever had in my life. So I'm just going to pick radical, crazy things. So you See, gonna... I don't. I think I'm very well-armed this year. I have to tell you, and basically, basically it's because I've seen a lot of spring training games and I've been more attached to the game than I have been for years because I felt last year we got gypped. That could be a disadvantage, though, Tom. Because It I could be. You, 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 you watch enough spring training play and you will misevaluate. Uh, players. Okay, well, so right. stand by for my award-winning picks. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so I, you took the Blue Wins Jays, the so did I. So, uh, I'll pick first. You, uh, you took the, the Blue Jays, so did I. Um, in the central, I'm going to kind of go out on a double steel reinforced limb and and pick the White Sox. Wow. Even, even with the loss of Jimenez, I think that potentially this could cause them to, to, to go pretty far this season. I, I know it's crazy, but that's how baseball is. Whatever you think is going to happen, pick the opposite. I went with the Twins. I went with the Twins. I just – I think that uh, – we'll talk about the Jimenez thing later. I, I picked the Twins to be in the playoffs, but not to win the division. I, 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 I like the Twins to win the Central. I just think they're a, they're a better team top to bottom, you know, and, and we'll talk about that a little later when we talk with the White Sox. But let's go to the American League West. I'll go okay. for it this time. Yep. And Joe Madden and the California Angels will win the American League West. That makes two of us again. Wow. Have, have you been looking over my notes? Night, you night. little you little gutter snipe. Shohei, Shohei Otani will lead that team to yeah. the playoffs, and that's what I think is going to happen. And by the way, by the way, I just want to stop for a second. Um, Otani is causing trouble in fantasy baseball over the all over the place because leagues have to determine especially if you set a lineup for a week, do you get his hitting stats for the week or do you get his pitching outing for the week? You should get both. Well, I agree. You should get both, and he would be the number one drafted pick of all players. But that's not the way computers work. They don't yeah. have the ability to make those correct. So you're you're either a hitter or you're a pitcher. Um, I'm with you. I think the Angels are, are going to – this is typically, if you look at Joe Madden's career as a manager, by the time he gets into year two and year three with the team, he's starting to push them towards the top if he's ever going to do it. And yeah. he's been successful the last two. Um, it, who do you like in the wild cards? I'll go first. I also picked the Twins. Um, but you picked the Twins to win the wild cards. Yeah, and I also picked the Yankees. Yeah. I went with the Yankees in the race. You know, all three teams, you know, so three teams coming out of the American League East. That'll be kind of the beast of a division, and uh, I like I like them. All right, so let's go to the National League, and we start with the East. And uh, I picked the New York Mets. I think it finally comes together for this team. Pitching, hitting, it'll it'll just be a miracle, and uh, no one knows why it'll happen, but it will happen. The Mets will win this year. Jane, you ignorant slug. <laughs> Um, I took the Braves because I think the Braves are the most well-rounded team. However, I also took the Mets in the wild card. Uh, but I just think the Braves are, are, are a really good team in the National League. They are. They probably are. And, and I'm probably wrong. So who did you – let's go to the West before we do the Central. Um, I took the Dodgers. It's a slam dunk. Um, I, I, 
Uh, yeah, I took the Dodgers. I took I took the Padres because I hate slam dunks. You yeah, know what I mean? Because exactly. the Dodgers are such slam dunks that I went with the Padres. The Padres, I'd like to see. You know, in, in a lot of these, I'm going with what I would like to see yeah. happen, as opposed to what probably will happen. All right, so we go to the Central, and uh, who do you who do you like? Okay, so this is the t- the toughest one because I'm like really on paper, no team from this division should make the playoffs. But that being said, I'm taking the Cardinals. Yeah, me too. And, and, and it's only because they only because they have this they've had the ability over time to win in seasons like this. I don't like any of these teams. I'm going to be honest with you. I I don't like the Cubs at all. I don't think the Cubs make the playoffs. Um, well, if the, a lot of the the prognosticators out there are picking the Brewers. I I just don't see it, and the re, I, I just don't see it. I think that they have a great bullpen, but I'm I'm very suspicious of of that starting uh, 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 rotation. I think the Cubs have a really good rotation, by the way, but I think they've got problems all over the place everywhere else. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. In, in who, who did you like in the wild cards in the National The wild League? card, I like the Cubs and the Dodgers. I oh, like the oh. – so you're just – how do you see the Cubs making the playoffs? I see Seriously. the Cubs making the playoffs and, and on the strength of what looks to be a pretty good starting rotation. Yeah, yeah you can't, you you know, can't and, go wrong and, there. And I'm counting on guys like Baez and Rizzo and everybody bouncing back. You know what I mean? And, uh, oh, and I like, hope it happens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, pick, I, I pick the Mets and the Padres for my wild card teams. But I, I it's my understanding I I went a little further in this than you did because I actually yeah. um in the American League um I think the White Sox are are going to beat the Yankees and go to the World Series. Wow. And and nope. in the National League I think the Dodgers will beat the Padres in a great oh, NL right. series. And the Dodgers will beat the White Sox in the World Series. The World Series. Wow. They're repeating, buddy, as much well, as Well, I would love to see the White Sox in the World Series. I've seen it happen once and right. they've won it. And I I I would I want that. I, I would like to see that happen. I just don't know if it will. There's just some things that I don't like. And we'll talk about that when we get to that section of our baseball discussion. Yeah. But let's go to when Randy Johnson. Do you remember this when this happened? I, I do. I do. When he actually he threw a pitch in a spring training game and a pigeon, a carrier pigeon, or a what was it, a morning dove or something, yeah, right in the path of the pitch. And the pitch was coming, it was a fastball, it was a hundred mile an hour fastball, and it just obliterates the bird, which explodes yeah. in feathers. You know what I mean? And that was one of the strangest things I think anybody had ever seen on a baseball field. It, it, it is. And I remember, you know, if you read the, uh, the article that was attached to that, I think that was yeah. one of those uh, From athletic, athletic 6,000 word the athletic. pieces. But, no, but, it, but they did a great job because they interview everybody who was there. Uh, right. But Joe, Joe Garbagiola Jr. Um, <laughs> sure. said that he had seen in his life, which is true, baseballs like explode and, and weird things on the baseball diamond. But because he didn't know at first, people were like, hey, what was that? Because it was just a puff. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the bird dying. So I thought it was great. To me, the enlightening part of the story was just to learn about what's, what a dick Randy Johnson yeah, was. Randy I Johnson mean, was kind of a dick about it. I mean, he's gotten better. But, you know, but he, was your cla- he was your classic Jake LaMotta type of guy as an athlete where he just was a – and you know who else was like this was Jack Morris. Jack Morris was like this. Bob Gibson was like this. Yeah, a lot Gibson of guys. was the king of that. But yeah. the reason why I kind of like this story is because 
back in Detroit, back in the day when I was a, a, a much younger person, me and a friend of mine went to play nine holes on a semi-regular basis at a golf course that was by our house. And on the fifth or sixth hole of the Palmer Park course, my friend Greg, uh, off the tee, hit a pigeon in midair and killed it in the same kind of way. Um, and, and so I, 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 I immediately I thought of that because I actually saw a pigeon get hit by a golf ball. And of course, my friend Greg wrote himself down for a birdie on that hole. But, uh, <laughs> but do you remember when Dave Winfield killed yeah, yeah, yeah. a seagull with yeah, a throw yeah, yeah, downfield? Yeah, yeah. And they were kind of this happened in Toronto. And then, like, like what happened was uh, one of the trainers or somebody, like a ball boy, came over and had a towel. And put the towel over yeah, the body right. of the bird, and exactly. everybody booed Winfield. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> good thing it wasn't in Philadelphia. <laughs> no, but... kidding. no kidding. So uh, now, now there's a new kind of edict out of the brain trust that runs Major League Baseball, and that is that pitchers will no longer be allowed to use foreign substances. So you know, uh, again, so guacamole is completely outlawed. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Tahiti, all that stuff you can't use. But 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 in all seriousness, you know, Trevor Bauer showed us all the the, the difference that these kinds of substances can make in the spin rate yeah. of the pitches, and uh, and how that they how they make these perfect pitches that are always striking batters out, yeah. and uh, this sort of denies the contact. But uh, but now what's interesting is they have the means to police it, and there's a technological edge to this that they're going to use. Right. You know the, the the what is it Statcast or yeah Statcast Statcast is one of them yes but 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 that sort of electric eye to measure spin rates and when they see a market increase in spin rates you know they'll get a call from the league so about these things so yeah, I, got, I got mixed feelings I got mixed feelings about this this whole thing and it's kind of scary in in one way in a in a Big Brother kind of way to me in the sense that pine tar it's my understanding and this goes back to at least 30 years, that most baseballs are pre-rubbed for pitchers before the start of every major with league mud, game. With mud. Yeah, They're with mud, with pine tar, with other. Yeah, exactly. And so I just think this is somewhat of a slippery slope. It's like, how are you going to enforce it? It's, it's all, and I would think if it's the most egregious examples of pitchers, which by the way, I hate to tell you, Bauer, but you're on the list of suspected guys. They, they, in the story, they, they kind of, uh, um, uh, they, 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 they don't accuse. They kind of allude to the fact that there was, was four or five pitchers that the major leagues was basically monitoring last year because of complaints about this internal complaints. And so it's kind of like the pine tar on the bats. It's kind of like it's it, to me. It, it just. I don't know. I, I, I am anxious to see how they start adjudicating this, because what are you going to do? Put every pitcher on suspension? I mean, it's just kind of scary. It is kind of. But but what I like about the way they're doing it is they're kind of kind of take a long term approach, kind of a big picture approach to this. And they're going to probably start looking very closely at guys who have these elevated spin rates, you know, and that's, right. that's kind of how it works out. Yeah. It's not like if maybe you had a good day and you threw a pitch that had a 900 RPM yeah. when you've consistently been doing it at 500. doesn't mean that that one time you'll get a call from the league office. But what it does mean is if you start to demonstrate patterns above yeah. what has been your norm, you're going to get looked into, you know? We'll see. 
we'll see what happens. All right. So, so uh, I, I, Miles Straw, did you see this? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. He's a player with the Houston Astros, a young player. Center fielder. And uh, he may be a bit of a throwback uh, at batting leadoff. And I think with Dusty Baker as their manager, you're going to see this guy hitting the other way, you know, bunt singles. You're going to see him uh, stealing bases, that kind of thing. You're going to see that really aggressive base running approach from this guy. We haven't seen you know, it in a while. This is one of those players that if you look at his baseball reference page, it doesn't look like much from an offensive standpoint. However, his on-base per- percentage because of the walks that he takes, and yeah. then what he does once he's on the base pass is among the league leaders. So you're right. This is a different kind of player. I hope that this kind of ushers in a different kind of baseball, in my opinion, and that is start hitting to all fields, playing small ball, move, you know, station-to-station baseball, you know, go back to, to, to Whitey Herzog ball and, and or, um, you know, even Billy Martin ball, because I think the one true outcome, I just don't like it. And I, I, well, I, I just don't like it. There, I don't like it either. The game is still good. It, it it's is. Still it's still good. baseball, but, but, but I just, yeah, it could be better. Baseball can be better. It can be better. And they're, they're missing. There's a myopia at work here that they're but, just but, not seeing. But, but there know, was a great yeah. video of straw going back in that very difficult center yeah. field in Houston falling down. Or was it Houston? This was in the minors, but they had a hill like they used to have in Houston. But go ahead. Oh, was that in the minors? I thought that was actually in Houston. But anyways, he, he actually fell down, rolled over, like like yeah. almost like a military move, and caught the baseball. Yeah. So he's very good defensively, but he's kind of a Mark Belanger type of hitter until he gets on the bases. And then he's a terror. Exactly. It's it's bizarre. See, and 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 see, this is the thing that Billy Hamilton always lacked in his game, the ability to get on base. Exactly. And as we, or as we used to say to Billy, hey, Billy, hit it with your purse. <laughs> All right. So so Batman yeah. is back. Uh, this is uh, Matt Harvey. He's yeah. pitching with the Mets. He got a one-year, $1 million contract. Or not with the Mets. He's with the Baltimore, Baltimore. Orioles. And uh, I'm happy to uh, hear that he's – because he's interesting. I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's back. He, he kind of laid out because of COVID last year. Uh, yeah, he probably yeah. would have pitched if there weren't a pandemic. Um, uh, you know, the, the Orioles need help, and he can give it to them. And, and he's cheap as hell. Yes. Uh, he's and and he's hell. many years removed from his productivity. And also, by the way, or his, not productivity, but his high, his best seasons, you know, there's no guarantee that he's going to with, be with the team the whole year. This is just, oh, no. you know, it's a, it's a, a pretty low risk by the Orioles, and it puts really the onus – on uh, our caved crusader to, to, you know, uh, to do his part of the bargain. In other words, to hold up his part of the bargain. Well, you know, and, and, and now the Royals also gave an extension to Salvador Perez. Yeah. And this, and this is significant because this is the most expensive contract the the Royals have ever signed at $82 million for four years. That's a lot of money for that. For them, it is an extraordinary amount of money on a guy who is when he's healthy, arguably one of the great catchers in the game when he's healthy. That's the problem is having him stay on the field. He, um, I'm with you. If all through the years of being the Royals, this is the guy that's got the best, best contract. It just seems uh, almost disrespectful to the George Brett's of the world. The pro there's a, there's an inherent problem when your catcher 
is your best player. Right. That is an inherent actual weakness for teams. But Unless the, you're, the catcher is your manager. Then, then I, it's different. I think catchers are is a unique position on the baseball field. And they but say they, that a lot. And, and, it, and it's a bit of a cliche that the yeah. catcher makes the best manager because he's yeah. the one who sees the whole game and understands it at a kind of it's different, a different level. There's no question it's a different level. Um, uh but and and I'm glad that we have David Ross, by the way. But uh, so he what? Learn how to deal with the media, by the so, way. So Gio Gonzalez, who yeah. was a star of, of my old fantasy baseball teams years ago, who by the way won 150 major league games. Yes, that's is not retiring. That's he's 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 hanging up the cleats. Yeah, he is. He is. And uh, I don't really, you know, I sit here as we talk about this, and I wonder how the sport. Will it be able to continue without Gio Gonzalez? <laughs> no, know? but he, he had a very good career, though, he did. He until did. just recently. Like, he basically said his body's betrayed him. He can't do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he's retiring, and smartly so. Um, also, I also want to bring up, before we uh, move on to our last item uh, here, uh, Mike Bell, yeah. uh, as part of the uh, you know famous oh, family. Uh, Cincinnati Bell family baseball family passed away. I think it was kidney cancer yeah. um, at at age forty six, relatively young age. I mean, what do you what are your thoughts? Because again, you're from Cincinnati, and, and the Bell family is yeah. that's a big thing. In Cincinnati. That's a big thing. I mean, because it, it goes back to Gus Bell, you know, who played for Cincinnati, who was an outfielder. And, uh, and he had a son, Buddy Bell, who played third base for the Indians and the Reds. And I think he was with the Yankees a little bit. Yeah. And, and, then, um, and then, you know, so, so this kid is the sort of son, I think, of Buddy Bell. Yeah, and, and uh, he he had, you know, liver Did, cancer. Didn't they have a, a son also from South America called Taco Bell? Taco Bell, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a sad day if you are from Cincinnati and you knew these people. Right. Um, and certainly there are many people in Cincinnati who know the Bells intimately. I am not one of them. Right. But uh, but it should be mentioned. And in uh, our and so, some popcorn, our hats are. are, so, are so before we get to our final item, before we talk about the Cubs and the Sox. Yeah. Um, you know, lately I've been doing all this walking around and I've been listening to some of our old shows. And we talked about it last year on two or three different uh, occasions, the lack of having a video inside the clubhouse and what that was doing to some hitters. And, and we both basically summarized by saying we thought that they would be bringing video back to the clubhouses for hit to, so hitters can make in-game adjustments. Well, in fact, that's what's happened. That's exactly what happened. We predicted that they would bring it back. Yeah. And uh, that is exactly what happened. So and we're not it, always wrong is what I'm saying. We're not always wrong, and, and and it's a modified version. They don't the the signs that the catcher drops are obscure right. in the images that they get, and there isn't a room that they will go to, but rather they will have iPads. Right, right. you can watch this stuff in the clubhouse. So right. somebody's going to get. I'll tell you this: somebody's going to get hit with a foul ball because they're looking at their little video screen. But right. uh, well, either that or they're playing Frogger. Yeah, yeah. Either that or they're playing Frogger you know, or maybe updating things on social media. You never know how these things go, but uh, let's, let's get right to the Cubs. And I want to begin with uh, Kyle Hendricks being named the opening day starter. And uh, I, I love it. This is he, this is a guy who absolutely deserves to, to pitch in this role. He has been sort of relegated to second status behind people like 
you Darvish and John Lester and Jay and now, Garrietta and Jay Garrietta, exactly. His first and run. Now, yeah, yeah. But now he's the man and yeah. he deserves it. I love it. You know, and, and Ariata is back on the Cubs. Yeah. Now Ariata has to get coffee for Hendricks. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> no, but uh, but I, I actually think that this rotation that the Cubs have put together may be a strength. Um, they're they're going to be, I think, pretty effective in that regard. I don't expect them maybe, you know, to all win 20 games or something like that. This isn't the, the Orioles from the 70s. Yeah. But I do can, think can, that – Can you can you name those that starting rotation? By can the I even name them? I'll yeah. tell you, like, like if you begin with number one is Kyle Hendricks. No, I'm talking about Dave McNally. Oh, Mike Dave Quayar, McNally, Mike Quayar, Thompson, Jim Palmer. And Jim Palmer. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I can name those those guys. That's that's nothing. That I could do that. You could wake me up and then ask me that question, and I will always get it right. Dave McNally is the one people struggle with. Yes, yes, but uh, but but you know, I think the Cubs are going to be actually pretty good. And if they hit, you know, they take you know guys like Hendricks and Arietta pitch well at Wrigley Field. Right. They're going to be hard to beat at home. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think they have they have that's one of the strengths of their team. I, I, I'm not high on the Cubs this year. I think they could be in last place. I think they could be next to the Pirates. But I think that their pitching is probably the best of that team. I just I I I, I think the bullpen is, is a train wreck. Um, but, um, you know, they're going to have the best starting rotation in that division. You know, that that's that's interesting that you say that, because. I like Zach Davis. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great pitcher. And Jake Arrieta definitely has seven or eight wins left in that arm. Where it gets dicey for me is the Mills brothers. Uh, or, I mean, our uh, Mills. Alec Mills? Yeah, Alec Mills. Sir Alec Mills. But he. But then there's the guy they acquired from Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Who they've gotten. They've gotten him in the pitch lab. And he has oh, some kind of about stuff. Tra- is that Trevor Williams? Trevor Williams? Yeah, Trevor Williams. Trevor yeah. Williams. And then, and then, um, Adelaide, you know, Adelaide, I don't think will be in the picture as much. Me either. I've seen him pitch recently and I'm like, buddy, but he reminds me of Frank Castillo. You get three solid shutout innings and then he gives up six runs. It's just, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting parallel. Yeah. Although he has better stuff than Frank Castillo. He he does have better stuff. Um, but I, I think that, you know, that you may be entirely right that the loss of Darvish doesn't hurt the Cubs. Uh, like we, like even chill. though the loss of Darvish would hurt any team, I hate to tell you, I don't care who it is. If you lose a pitcher like that, he's that good and he's rebounded that well from that surgery. Uh, it's, but it's entirely possible that the Cubs could, could, could patch together the same amount of wins or more that that he would have provided if he was in the rotation. So, and uh, don't forget knows? about this guy too. Uh, watch out for John Shelby, who's the one guy in the Cubs rotation who can really throw it hard. Yeah. And, and he's going to get a few chances to start. And they're really, they're like slow rolling. And they're like, well, he might be like our bridge starter, fifth guy, you know, whatever, long reliever. I think they think they're expecting big things out of him. You well, you know, as they say in Detroit, you know, the Shelby is our best Mustang. <laughs> Well, that that that's encouraging. Yeah. So now, now the White Sox were dealt a terrible blow uh, when. Yeah, before you talk about that though, man, 
What about Javi Baez? You sent oh, me this article about ha- no, no, no worries. You sent me this article about Javi Baez. Where yeah, right. will su- will success spoil Javi Baez because he's now getting pulled in five million different directions uh, because yep. of how famous he is? Uh, my guess is, in when he's home, he probably is probably worse for him than it is here. Where you know he sponsors every cola ever you know you see pictures of him on those 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 classic metal uh advertising signs that yeah, you see yeah. uh, it's just it, it, like he's finally saying that baseball isn't as fun as it used to be because he's basically getting pulled and and stretched because he's, he's in the star. like he's in the fantastic four yeah he's a star and it sucks and because you know javi if you kind of if you, if you watched him uh, in his interactions with the media, he's a pretty humble guy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't speak English very well. So he's not really comfortable talking to reporters. We don't really see, the only time we really see his personality is when he's on the baseball diamond. And and when he's away from, when he's not doing baseball where he wants to be, right. is on his farm, which he has in Florida. He has a farm mm-hmm. and he has a bunch of animals and yep. that's what he wants to do. Yeah. And, and be with his family and, and, and all this fame, all this sort of glory and adulation was killing his love for the game. And we, we really hope that, uh, you know, we need to back off a little bit, I think on his brilliance and just sort of let it, let it happen and let, and leave him alone. Well, that, that I agree, but I I also think Javi, you know, kind of like Ichiro, you've got to learn how to handle it. Uh, a little bit better too. As you get older and more mature, you kind of start to take that stuff with a grain of salt. And and whenever there's a player like him, where his whole life was baseball, we've talked about this before. When he was a little kid, that's what twenty four he... hours a day. His parents were worried about him. He he was absolutely, uh, you know, it, he lived baseball twenty four seven. And I think he misses that that he had that ability to be that free that he could devote you know, his entire life to the game or to his farm or whatever. And he's getting pulled in these other, other directions is part of a part of success. Here's what I would suggest for you is start using that new video that they put back in the clubhouse and start to hit better. Start to hit better. But did you see the play he made in the outfield? Like when he goes out in the center field to field a ball that had already bounced, he gets to it and he hikes it through his legs like a long snapper. To Chris Bryant standing at second base in spring, this spring he just I missed did. that shit. I missed it. I heard it on the radio. Heard it on the radio. They were freaking out. So uh, what's so going now, on with the Sox? Well, I mean, they were dealt a big, big blow when when their left fielder and uh, and slugger and hitter Eloy Jimenez injured himself badly. Yeah, kind of reaching over the fence to try to catch a home run, which he had no business catching. Um, he is out for five to six months as some sort of tendon was torn yeah. as he sort of reaches over the fence and then just sort of comes down with his armpit on the top of the fence that yeah. looked to me like where he injured it yeah no it was a gru- it was a gruesome injury and he was hanging there for that's the for worst part there was a you know it was basically being on a meat his the tendon was on a meat hook and so this is a gruesome injury um i've had i've had two sadly ruptured uh, tendons before I'm going to say he's not coming back this year. I, I just, and yeah. the reason is, is because he, his game depends on his, his pectorals, both his of his health. biceps, his pectorals, his back, his arms. But this is not something that he'll, it's, well, it's kind of like a Tommy John when they, they, 
it'll probably take him well into next season before he's back to normal. It's sad, but I also think in one respect, and it's one of the reasons why I picked the Sox, that now that the void can be picked up by a, a better defender, because let's be honest, Jimenez, even though he was desperately working on his defense, was one of the worst in the majors. He's one field. of the worst outfielders I've ever his seen. Save, his saving grace is, is that the center fielder, as we you like Robert. to call it, Robert, Robert, Robert is, is, is a five-tool player and has made up for some of his deficiencies by shading him uh, out in left center. Um, however, you're talking about a five-hole hitter or a four-hole hitter in some instances. Yeah. You on a team that's stacked, you don't you just don't replace a guy like that just just by you know falling out of well, bed. And there's a lot of options, uh, you know, and that's I guess the next question: who replaces Jimenez in left field? And there's some internal options, and 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 Han would only discuss internal options. He wouldn't. He wasn't looking, you know, to acquire anybody. But he didn't rule that out, though. But he didn't rule it out. But they were just weren't. They weren't prepared at that moment in time to yeah. to discuss yeah. that. But uh, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be hard. And 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 now, what this caused me to do is to really look at the Jimenez Quintana trade. Yeah. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking it's really kind of just a push. It's a wash. You know, I, I agree. Wash I agree. That that. That you know, Quintana was okay right. for the Cubs, and it it looks like Jimenez isn't going to be on the field a whole lot. Well, well not just that. You know, the article does underscore the fact that Jimenez has had some injury issues and some concerns, and they even go as far as to say, even before this injury, that was going to impact his long term. Uh, yeah. financial um, uh, prospects uh, because, you know, basically uh, interested GMs are going to say, well, you can't stay on the field. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think the trade basically is a push. Yeah. I think a menace is going to have to do a Herculean recovery job to get back on the field. That being said, he could do it. He's yeah. young enough. He could do it. But I think, you know what, maybe this might be the end of him as far as him being an elite hitter. We're not ready to. I'm not ready to pronounce the death of. Right. Of, you know, I'm not. I'm not either. Yet. But, but this is a bad injury. I'm just telling. It, you. It's a bad injury, and and what's worse about it is if you look at how it happened, it didn't look like he was doing that much. Right. Right. Extending himself right. that it just was a, you know, it 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 was a real soft play, and you're like he's out for five to six months. Really, I. I don't, and, and White Sox fans need to understand, I don't hate you for predicting that these things will happen. Yeah. I want Eloy Jimenez to succeed. I, I do too. I, I don't want anybody to be injured like that. But I want, but I have to be objective about what I think is happening. Right, right. I'm sorry that this, this is a setback in that man's career. So, and so one, the, the, so one thing, the Sox have some decisions to make. And one of the guys that they're talking about is this big daddy hitter, Andrew Vaughn. Correct. Um, who is basically a big power? Who, what do you know about this, Andrew? Well, he's a big, strong, ox-like power hitter, you know, who hits from the left side and uh, is kind of a statue in terms of his ability to move around. And, <laughs> and from the White Sox point of view, that would make him the ideal left fielder, you yeah. know. So, and he actually may even be uh, a better fielder than Jimenez. Which is like saying, uh, let's see, that, uh, that you, know, uh, you are a better softball player than me. You know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the fact is, is that um, 
Vaughn, when you look at his his prospectus and what people say about him, oh, he, has be, yeah. he has below average speed. Really good hitter, by the way. Yeah. The one yeah. thing that Tony Larusa is going nuts about is how mature this kid is at age 22. He's saying, basically, I haven't really seen a player like that in a long time that, you know, is – you know, is this patient of a big man up at the plate because he's got almost as many blocks as strikeouts. You don't see that in sluggers at all. However, he can't, you know, he's like a rock'em, sock'em robot. He can't get, he can't run. He can't run on the base pass. He can't. So that's where Jimenez might have been starting to improve as a left fielder, where I think Vaughn, if he is going to become the left fielder or do it part of the season, because he is a DH, basically, yeah. um, He's going to have to work on his foot speed a little bit, if that's possible. I don't know. You yeah, can't, teach, you can't teach speed, but, can't but, teach speed, yeah, speed but I'd be running cool. laps right now run, if I was him. Run faster. Run yeah. Just just run Forest. faster. Forest. Yeah, of course. You know, but the one thing about this whole situation that kind of did encourage me is that uh, in the press conference when they announced the injury to Jimenez, you know, LaRusa gets out there, and one of the first questions he gets – was have you ever you've managed a long time was there ever a time when you got an injury to a star player in spring training that really was a big setback and your oh, team yeah. was expected to win and he's like yeah it happened with the cardinals yeah I know. we lost uh i think it was either carpenter or wainwright wainwright no, adam, adam wainwright they lost adam wainwright in spring training and they won the world series i know i know so, against so that, there was a kind of hey the adults you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, have it under control. So well, that that's was the World Series that they beat Texas. I'm sorry, not Detroit. Yes, right, right. And one of the most exciting World Series of all time. So um, the other day I was listening to the White Sox on the radio, yeah. spring training game with, uh, you know, Len Casper and Darren Jackson. And there is a big problem in that radio booth. In, in... Uh, let, let, let me guess who that is. <laughs> it's DJ. It's DJ. I'm sorry. I, it, I Look... I, I listened to Len Casper for a long time doing yeah. Cubs games with Jim Deshays. Those guys were hilarious. They were talking. Well, they were about, a very good team. They, they were they, a great team. Now, again, they cultivated, you know, a relationship right. based on common interests and things like that. And they had the luxury of getting to know each other. And I'm not saying that Darren Jackson can't, but I'm telling you right now, it, 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 it's a really dull conversation on the radio you know and i think yeah, yeah you know I, i'm sure it's going to be tough for the white Sox fans too because they're not they're basically listening to a new voice with dj they they know dj but not so it's it's kind of weird for us it's weird for them yeah um, yeah that's probably it, it because i was so used to casper being brilliant with Deshays, but it just seems sort of robotic and didactic and sort of yeah. i don't know i was not it, before we get to our last uh, Peanuts piece, I just want to, we got a late kind of breaking news story here about uh, our buddy Nico Horner, oh, yeah. the uh, second baseman on the Cubs. It looks as though the Tribune is reporting that he's going to be optioned and being sent down to the minors. And um, already there is being some uh, whispers that the Cubs potentially are manipulating his playing time. And the reason is, is because, Horner has had the best spring of all the second basements. It's not even close. He's the best defensive guy. He was a finalist for a gold glove last year, but they picked up this Eric Sogard, this veteran second yeah, baseman for the A's, and, and, and they've slotted him as the starter because 
they just need Horner to stay in the minors for 36 days. And obviously, mark my word, come about May 10th or so, but write this down, Horner will be rejoining the Cubs. This smells like Chris Bryant 2015 all over again, Leo. What do you think about this? I, I think it, it makes the Cubs look really bad. Um, you know, they obviously manipulated Chris Bryant's service time by forcing him to stay in the minors when he was a rookie, you know, and they're doing it to Horner. And, and you're like, they're, and they're doing it because they can do it. You yeah, know? Right, right, and exactly. They're doing it because they can. And, and, you know, the problem terrible. is if these athletes go into another ionosphere, then the, the, you know, what's his name? Uh, who's the bad evil, uh, um, sports agent, uh, Drew, yeah. uh, whatever his name is. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, but those guys, yeah, Rosenhaus, those guys are the ones that basically forced the owner's hands in this and the owner, or at least on the Cubs side, they're playing it by the book. Other teams, by the way, are not doing that manipulation stuff. Like, for example, the, the Sox are not doing like that. the Chicago the, White the, Sox. The Cubs are. Yeah. And, and you just wonder, you just wonder how, how what their reputation. We spoke last year a lot about how disliked the Cubs are around the majors. They, they really are. They, they, yeah, well, they, they're talkers. And with no fans in the stands back last year, you could hear all of their comments. There's a lot and, of chirping. And, and, right. and so it's just, it just makes you think the management isn't well liked now. The, the players, it's just, it's kind of a, it's going to be an interesting season, I think, for the Cubs. You know, I mean, I'm still a Cubs fan, but you're right. I mean, these things have a way of kind of chipping away. You know what I mean? At your loyalty. But but I have to tell you that this season, I don't think that's going to be our point of interest. I think our point of interest is going to be with Mr. 12-step uh, uh, program himself, Tony La Russa. Uh, uh, you know, he's 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 an old, we've talked, he's, he's almost 80 years old, which is a scary part. But he's not really into saber metrics. No, he's not. According he's not. to The Athletic. They, they, they He's got an old school approach at looking at lineups where he wants to put your best hitter at the number three spot. Whereas statistics show that that's probably the worst place to put your best hitter because he comes up with the bases empty so often, you know what I mean? You want him batting second or fourth, you right. know what I mean? And, and, you know, so he has a kind of an old school approach and, and, this is why I didn't pick the White Sox to win the, not just on the strength of this article. It's a couple of things. Like it's the way he's constructing his lineups. It's the way he's kind of maybe living in the past in terms of what he's going to do tactically. And it's also the loss of Jimenez. This will, I think, uh, restrict the White Sox from achieving the heights that a lot of people expect them to, to achieve. Uh, you know, you, you may be right, but I, 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 one, of, one of the things that I liked about that article is that Tony LaRusso uh, used a word, I think it was uh, observational, uh, it, it, uh, which means I like to look at, the, at, the, at the, what's happening, not read it on a piece of paper. It's kind of like he issues this, uh, this, the sabermetrics. I thought back in the day that him and Dave Duncan, when he was on the Cardinals, they were on the cutting edge of this stuff. But it turns out, not really. 
Not yeah. really. LaRusso La La is, La is a throwback manager. I always knew he was, you know, he's a disciple of Sparky Anderson, who was a despite, disciple of, of uh, uh, Casey Stengel. And all that lineage in the managing goes way back. By the way, Ozzie Guillen is, is like this too. They don't, they don't sit there they're with not, reams yeah. of data on their iPad, you know, going over everybody's uh, situational. It, it's, it's what LaRusso knows in his head. And so, I think that might be refreshing for, for I, it may be refreshing. I'm wondering though how successful it's going to be. I'm questioning could be. You might be right about that. You know, the game has changed. You're right. The game has changed and 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 we have changed and uh, and movies have changed. And uh and, is and it popcorn now, time Lee? It's popcorn time. Get the popcorn out, put the salt on it, put the butter on it. Yeah, because we are in Oscar season and Tom and I are breaking down all of the best picture nominees, or at least as many as we can get to before the awards are done. And this week the movie was Minari, um Korean movie or yeah. a movie about a Korean family speaking yeah. Korean in Korean. And this family moves to a farm in rural Arkansas. And the, this is like the 1970s, eighties and the late, father, late 70s, early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And the father intends to, uh, you know, build a farm and they live in a mobile home, yeah. you know, on the farm. And he wants to grow produce and sell it to the Korean communities in places yeah. like Dallas and Oklahoma city and so on and so forth. And then they have a boy, a little, they have two children, a girl and a boy. The boy has a little heart murmur. And then um, the husband, and then they have uh, a grandmother who comes and lives with them, uh, a salty Korean grandmother who really- Who steals the picture, basically. She's the star of the movie. She really is. And, and, and honestly, if she weren't in that movie, I would have had a very hard time watching this movie. I don't know. I don't know what's been going on with you in, in your uh, observation of cinema. This this is a four star movie. Um, it, it, it's I've seen six of the best uh, picture nominees so far, and I think I have it um, third on my list. So I'm, I'm a, I, I think this is an extraordinary effort by this director Lee Isaac Chung, um, and it, it, there's a, a lot of stuff to unpack here. Um, but you remember last year, Parasites became the first. Um, foreign film to, to win best right, picture. Right, right, I, I right. didn't think it was would, was the you best think picture. This is a better movie. Oh yeah, this is a much better movie. Um, and and it's just really rich. Like I said, I think the grandmother who's up for an Oscar um, and, and very well may win it. By the way, but there's some like Will Patton, who's a, a, a character actor, is in a lot of stuff. Plays this crazed guy yeah. that um, helps um, the father in the character. And so there's a uh, there, yeah, yeah, and so and he's just out there. I mean, like at one point he's carrying a cross down the yeah, road. Yeah, he does this. He carries a cross down the road in the heat, and everybody yeah. thinks he's crazy. But he says right. he has to do this. This is like a penance he has to do. Correct. And he prays for the family who's going through very, very difficult times. So a lot of it is, you know, what the most interesting part of the movie is when the family, I think, interacts with the people of rural Arkansas. Yeah, that, yeah. That's when I was the most engaged, and I th I think you're right. I think that 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 there's a lot of stuff uh, that they have to deal with, like all Asians did back then. They, you know, there's a scene where you know the 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 young kid was played by a newcomer, Alan Kent. His name is David. Is the is the son yeah. who's charming? Oh, I thought he might have. Oh, he was been nominated. I mean, for, look, look he, he does, but, but just hear me out. He gets yeah. a he gets 
basically racial slurs thrown at him from this little kid at this gathering. And then they end up becoming friends, which was kind of typical of how, um, you know, uh, Asians were assimilated into, into America back then. They had to deal with a lot of shit. And then basically they became some of the best friends that these white boys ever had in, in th- throughout Why the years. Why is your face so flat? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just, the, the, the dynamic between the husband, uh, Jacob, and his wife, Monica, where Monica was basically second guessing this move, you know, Jacob wanted to have this 50 acre farm where he could grow, you know, Korean vegetables. Well, it turns out that the grandmother basically shows them and, and plants Minari. Yeah, Minari. Which is the namesake of the film. And it's it's a, a often used uh, a Korean um, uh it's like an herb or a plant and you put it in Korean foods and and, and as it turns out the irony of it is is that that was going to be something that they were going to make some money selling uh once everything turned out right but i just thought there was a lot of stuff going on there it's um it just i just thought it was a beautiful film a beautiful film i don't deny that it is a good movie okay that that it has beautiful aspects it was a good effort I enjoyed, uh, well, okay. Yeah. I liked the grandmother very much, but then, you know, she has a stroke and then it. Yeah. Right, right. But, and, but the interaction between the grandmother and, and little David, the son, was just fantastic. How they, you know, he, he, yeah, he, 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 like, he peed in her cup. Thick. I mean, who, who pulls that off? Who broken penis. Broken yeah. penis. <laughs> he was wetting the bed. Right. And, and she teases him. Yeah. And sort of, she's very good for the boy, and 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 there's the also the implications of the Minari that she planted helped, you know, heal his heart murmur. So yeah, right. uh, you know, but so there's all these things about the movie, and and, and it's a good movie. And and yeah. ordinarily, I would have driven to the movie theater in the city over there on Clark Street near Diversity, right. the Century City, and uh, I would have had dinner ahead of time and gone yeah. to see it with my wife and. You know, it would have been a really nice experience, but instead, you know, I downloaded it from Amazon and watched and rented it. And just, I really, honestly, Tom, I was watching it 20 minutes before you and I got on. You know what I mean? And so I, I just, the experience for me wasn't great. You know what it reminded me of? Watching Puncher Panchali. Panchali. Yeah. Puncher Panchali. I, yeah. the same, I'm like, what's Panther, happening? Panther Panchali. Panther Panchali. I, I, I couldn't, I, I'm waiting for something to happen. Everything yeah. is very slow and, you know. Yeah, you know, I, 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 guess, I guess we have different palettes for films and that, and and so, and that's fine. Um, but that I, may I really, have liked, to I, with... I really liked it, but I can tell you that we, we're going to focus on these best picture films. These are not films in normal time that I would be recommending one way or another. It's just, these are right. Oscar right. nominated and, films. And, and, and Minari's up at the top that of the list. be talked about. Yeah. You know, it's important that the, these movies be talked about. And, and and the Oscars are looking at films from places like Korea now. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? So this is a big deal. That's right. So so I wish them luck on in success and I hope everybody gets to see it. I just didn't I didn't enjoy it. But let's talk a little bit about the movie that we're gonna have next week. I'm pretty Oscar. sure I know what it's gonna be. <laughs> That's right. We actually know what it's gonna be. And uh, this is another Oscar nominee, and this is Nomadland yeah. with Francis McDormand. So, uh, all right. So until then, we are the two peas in the podcast.
Oh, bang the drum slowly and play the fife lowly. Play the dead march as they carry me along. Put bunches of roses all over my coffin. Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall.